From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome back to The Dairy Show, everyone, for our seventh episode. It's crazy to think we've been at this for a couple months already, but we are so glad you're back again this week as we find ourselves amidst the holiday season. And if your family is anything like mine, it means that it is days of hot chocolate and eggnog and lots and lots of storytelling. So as we celebrate the holiday season, I have a couple special guests joining us this week to tell the stories of World Dairy Expo. Um, good morning. My name is Dean Hermsdorf. I uh, have been a resident of outside of the Madison area for all my life. And as I bring back fond memories of World Dairy Expo, for me, it starts as a as a, as a very young child going to um, the Dane County Fairgrounds at the time um, and viewing the World Food Exposition. Uh, we're talking back in the 60s here. Um, as a kid, um, probably five, six, seven years old uh, was how old I was at the time, just seeing those tremendous cows of, uh, of the Hetzes at the time and the Bartels at the time and and coming from a dairy farm myself, um, thinking about how phenomenal it would be to um, be able to walk on those colored shavings and show some of those calves. And as I got a little bit older and into 4-H age, I did actually have that opportunity to to be able to to go on the colored shavings with a with a couple bulls and actually have a small pewter pitcher that I obtained um, as the first junior in a class once with a bull. So. Uh, I, we tied in with uh, Harry Weir of Dundid and Deerfield. His showstring um, is where we tied, where I, where the bull was tied in with, and had the opportunity to, to go through with that. Or, or I, you know, wouldn't have been able to do it just as a kid. But and it was just a junior bull. He was a young bull. I was not showing a senior or, you know, the age bulls. He was just a junior. Uh, I think a junior. He's a junior or senior calf. One of the two, you know. But to see those guys, you know, to see Sonny Bartell out there walking around with some of those. And I, some of those bulls and, you know, was just pretty majestic, um, you know, and they were even horned and, you know, to be able to stand on those colored shavings showing a few of those bulls and, and being the first junior because there was no junior shows at the time, you know, that there was no junior shows, but they did, um, they did recognize the juniors that showed within the open show going from the Dane County Fair or going from the Stoughton Junior Fair where you showed outside at the time to the Dane County Fair where you showed in the arena um, to the Coliseum. I mean, it was, you know, I never had the, I mean, I'm a big sports guy and I never had the opportunity, although I would love the opportunity. I would liken the opportunity to walk into the Coliseum with that bull to the same opportunity that a kid has as a football player running on to Camp Randall Stadium as a player. I mean, to me, it, to me, that's what it felt like walking in that door. Um, you know, we did, there wasn't 80,000 people screaming when you come running through the tunnel. Um, but, you know, um, or to be able to run on the floor at the field house. Um, I did have the opportunity to be on the field house floor um, in high school basketball. We were state champions for a couple of years. So I had, did have that. But th just to have that, you know, that kind of 
that's what it felt like walking through that Coliseum door with that bowl was to be able to, you were running onto the sta- biggest stage you could possibly run onto. If, if, I mean, that's to me how that felt and I'll never forget that feeling. And I think that's probably, you know, I, I hope it, that's the way it feels for everybody um, because that's the way it should feel, you know, the first time to see that, see one of those Roy Hetz trophies as a kid. My God, it was taller than I was. Um, You know, it's like, holy moly, what would it be like to, you know, to carry one of those away? And obviously never had that opportunity, but, um, you know, it instilled that passion and instilled that drive to be part of the industry, no matter what part of that industry that may be. And I think that was, you know, interesting that we brought that back because, you know, the, the dairy cattle folks, that, that, that thing really did mean something. It really, really did. Um, and it, and it's pretty impressive, um, you know, and, and <clears throat> to sit around with some of those, some of those folks who were in those pictures to be able to actually say, yeah, you know, I actually was able to have a conversation, um, with those folks and, um, because they were just, you know, they were just cattle guys and it was pretty cool. And to see their vision, I mean, you know, we, to think about that and to think about some of those guys that had that vision and, you know, to talk about, you know, what they did to be able to have that vision. And then the companies that support them as the founding fathers were, you know, was, was pretty remarkable. Obviously I just was, you know, being a steward of what they had started at the time was working with um, Jim Ostrom, uh, who most of you folks probably are aware of now what he does as the sales manager. And then obviously Joe Gilbert um, sitting in that sales chair, you know, to me, probably one of the humongous biggest highlights was for myself to sit down with Joe and with uh, Jim and talk about those early days and and how we did things on bailing wire and shoestrings quite honestly um putting that show together and making it as the profitability and um that we have today and enjoy today because those decisions back way back then really really set us up to go forth from the trade show perspective to have to be able have the ability to do the things that we're doing uh, today um because of those decisions that we made back then and but you know, Jim Jim had that vision of growing that trade show, um, and and that profitability piece, and and Joe was open minded enough, you know, and and stood up enough and believed enough in in, in some of those kinds of things um, to to be able to support those ideas and support those decisions and say, hey, these are good things, and um, you know, to really to going from just a cattle show to to an event. Um, and then, and being able to make it a better event because we're more profitable and, and doing some of those kinds of things and, and getting away from that, you know, the quote unquote profit is a bad thing scenario, uh, you know, so that we can do different things and, and make it better for the cattle exhibitors, make it better for the commercial exhibitors. I mean, you know all those things were very tough early decisions because people didn't do things back that way, that way back then. And I, and I think um, Joe was an early part of it. Jim really propelled that finally remember exhibiting in the tents and snow and cold and water and no curb and gutter at that time. So, um, you know, it was, uh, it, it was what it was. Um, but, um, 
some fond memories uh, of those times and then being a part of approving the exhibition hall to be built um, was huge. But just, I think, a huge step forward for the show from a commercial exhibit standpoint. Um, really had said we, you know, kind of had arrived and gone forward. Um, you know, it was so nice to be able to stand inside and actually be dry. So that that was a phenomenal move forward because uh, there wasn't a lot of inside booth space at the time. Um, all you had was the Coliseum pretty much. And then we had a few tents outside as we before we put up the X Hall because the arena had cattle. Um, and, uh, and then we had some outside exhibits as well. Um, it goes back to the Field of Dreams movie, right? If you build it, will they come, you know? Um, and they did. Um, and obviously, you know, back in the early 60s on the commercial or cattle side of the business, you know, it was when the Canadian cows showed up. And, you know, I can still see here, remember Harry Howard talking about some of those guys, uh, him and, and the Hetz's folks standing there when the Canadian cattle pulled in and they all looked at each other and said, we have a show now, the Canadian cattle are here. Um, and to hear Terry, you know, talk about those stories um, was, you know, was interesting that, you know, that, that along that being the first probably monumental cattle size things, but then, you know, the, to really expand the trade show and put the commercial piece into world dairy expo really propelled us forward from a financial standpoint. Um, and, and doing some of those things that we did building that tent, you know, that, that expenditure. And I think people showed that, uh, um, you know, if you build it, they will come and they will continue to come and to harness harness the passion of, of people within, you know, within the dairy industry, but around animal agriculture period is is huge. Um, and I think that we continue to do that. And we are truly the meeting place for the world's dairy industry. And and to me, that for me personally, um that gave a great sense of great um, piece of accomplishment for me um, to know that um, I've been a piece of that. I've been a part of that. Um, and to, you know, to be, you know, be really at peace with the fact that we have good people leading the charge forward. Um, and it's, and what, and our show's in good hands and we can uh, go forward. Hi, I'm Annette Ziegler. I was uh, I was the accounting manager for World Dairy Expo for 29 years before I retired, let's see, a year ago in May. Um, how I got started with Expo was uh, back then our neighbor, Ruth Stample, who I think most of you recognize, who was the administrative manager for World Dairy Expo, was our neighbor, and she knew I had an accounting degree, and she asked if I'd be interested in helping. So that's how it started. It was all because of Ruth I got the job and stuck with it for 29 years. Right now, all I do is um, I help coordinate or manage the Purple Cow gift shop. <laughs> I, I do remember the 25th, and there's a fun story behind the 25th. Of course, the 25th anniversary is, is silver. You know, the 50th was gold, but the, the 25th is silver. And so we decided in the show ring we did this, this I think it was a castle, some sort of theme where we wanted silver Christmas trees. And I know silver Christmas trees are coming back into style, but, but when we did the 25th, they were kind of going out of style and, and people were getting rid of their silver Christmas trees. So we put an ad in a few of the local papers and 
and and we laughed. I think we got like 50 some silver Christmas trees and and everybody would bring them to the bring them to our office, our small office over on Olin, and everybody bring in their silver Christmas tree. And I swear to God, every person had to tell us how beautiful that Christmas tree was, standing in the corner and what color lights and what color what color ornaments they had on it. So we we laughed. We still laugh about the silver Christmas trees. And, you know, at first we didn't get a whole lot of them, and then I don't know what happened, or, or we were maybe we requested them, and then all of a sudden they just like came out of the woodworks and we had to like you know we were we were paying like $25 for a tree and you know and 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 finally at some point we just had to quit and say okay en enough trees we we have more than enough trees in the, it's this for the show ring you know <laughs> and then we had them in a storage unit and Tom McKittrick and we saved them I think and then Tom McKittrick had his birthday and Ruth and Ruth Stample and I and a couple of our kids actually went to the storage unit and drug out a bunch of these silver Christmas trees and filled Tom's office with these silver Christmas trees. So that's my my favorite memory of the 25th. Oh, I I, I do remember uh, another fun um, show ring. I used to be a lot more involved in the building of the show ring. Uh, and I've kind of stepped away from that now. But when when Tom when Tom McKittrick left or um and he always did the show rings or was in charge of designing the show rings when he left somehow we convinced my husband dale to to construct or design the show rings. so i believe he did it for like eight ten years he designed the show rings and the first the first one after tom left was we uh, was the bright lights big show and so we did that that was the year we had an interim manager I think it was Bob Kaiser and so Dale Dale said sure he would do it we already had the theme picked out and we discovered this probably about in July that Tom was leaving so Dale kind of we scrambled we came up with the Times Square idea thinking that's the biggest bright lights you know that we would know and so we came up with the Times Square theme and again Ruth Stample neighbor Dale I whoever we spent hours up in our my husband's shop up here painting and and getting this stuff ready to take in to to expo and so this was you know this was exciting for us to see if we could compete with with tom's fabulous show rings and so uh I, I, that was one of my good memories about show rings is 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 doing them or always working with them and you know dale and i wouldn't always agree on things but we managed to work it out and some of them actually turned out really cool i think the bridge one was one of our favorites with, um, Dale will tell you the story of the Badger Dairy Club. That's when we had water. The one and only year we had water with the water wheel. And and he will tell you of the, the Badger Dairy Club's kids walking through the water and in, in, in the, the mud and having to clean it all out and how they kind of regretted that. But it was, it was fun watching him and, and the Badger Dairy Club kids work together and, and I always found the Badger Dairy Club kids pretty amazing. I mean, you, you think of 18 to 21 year old kids that, you know, how good are they gonna be? How well are they gonna respond or take orders? And and they were amazing. And, and some of those show rings that they made or constructed were, were incredible. I mean, granted, they came from somebody's mind, but but they picked up on it, and and the art, the artistry and the the skill of some of these kids still amaze me to this day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's so many favorites. I think I I still like the um, Market Fresh one with the big cornucopia. I, I love the way that turned out. And again, we were like, we didn't have a clue, and for some reason, I was I don't know why, but I was. 
maybe it was, I don't know, but I noticed that Bellagio had a big corn out in Vegas had a big cornucopia, and I'm like, Dale, we can make a cornucopia, and, and we had no idea what we're gonna make out make that out of, but um, but they managed to make it work. It was made out of like stri strips of wood, but then we found like that green sheets of that green moss that you put in planters or pots, that liner. And we found we were out at a greenhouse. Mark and I were at, venturing out at one of the greenhouses to check out mums or something. And we ran across a big roll, you know, like a whatever not huge roll of this, this moss stuff that you would put in pots or whatever it's called. And, and so we're like, can we buy a roll, you know, a couple rolls of that? And so it was like these slits of wood that they actually wove the, the, the moss in between. Yeah, yeah, it was, again, it's amazing what they come, you come up with ideas and how, you know, like, uh, or the walls that are made out of styrofoam that, that you'd never, the scaffolding and the styrofoam, how you can make that look like buildings just always amazes me. And one, the one year, it was the Hollywood year. Oh, I think it was the show, the, something about best of show or something like that. It was a Hollywood theme and we had the red steps and the the little tuxedo mannequins and stuff like that. And it was like a movie theater. That happened to be one of our son's junior prom years. And so we literally went in, him and a, me and a bunch of parents from the class went in after the show and took down all of these decorations I swear to God, that pro, that was post-prom, but that prom, the, the, those decorations were unlike any prom these kids have ever seen because we recycled all those and the columns and, and, the, and the corrugated paper, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful prom. You know, we used to auction them off more. And, and I want to say one of the, again, if it was Harvest Moon or if it was the bridge, I remember, you know, Roger Palmer used to help Tom construct the another name from the past, construct the, the show rings. And he had a, him and his wife, Gloria had, and Gloria still helps with the with the show ring. Him and his wife have a little farmette up north someplace, one, someplace, and they actually bought one of the little sheds that they have made. And I think as far as I know, that little shed is still alive someplace up there. I, I know there's some Badger Dairy Club kids that probably at some point have, have or did I know at some point have pieces from the show ring in their in their dorm rooms or fraternity houses or whatever it was. So I, I think pieces of the show ring still live on. Who knows where? I think the water wheel ended up here in Verona at one of Dale's friends. And I do know the cornucopia when we built the cornucopia. That came out, that was out in Miller's Park, in Miller's Supermarket out here in Verona. That was out in their their parking lot until like Thanksgiving. They, 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 yeah, they, they used that, yeah, just to put out in their parking lot as a, as a Thanksgiving, it was so perfect. I started in 90, so I want to say the 5K was probably in 1992, and that, and that was back when um, CRI, I think, sponsored the 5K, and it was Jim Lewenberger who was on the board, and he was a, he was a big runner, and, 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 you know, everybody was, that was like the beginning of, again, runs. Everybody was starting to do a run, and so he thought it would be fun for Expo to have a, have, have a run, and, 
and that was back when the show was still on, it would end on Sunday. So it was Sunday morning was this run. And we ran around, you know, some of the grounds, but then we went out into the streets and I probably didn't run. I'm sorry. I don't, there was, I wasn't a runner back then, but I, it was a lot of our staff. I mean, six, seven staff members, we did this run and, and you, or walk is it, whatever it was we did. And you went around through the, some of the back parts of Madison and finished up on grounds. And I, I think it only lasted two years because most people were probably too busy with the cows and, and staff. I still don't know how we managed to do that as staff to take a, an hour or whatever it was out of the day, Sunday morning, the last day of Expo, to to go out and, and go for a run. But we, we did, and it was, you know, it, it was fun. It was fun, and it's something I'll always remember. Sandy Horn, you know, won her age group. I think she was the only one in the age group, but... We had fun doing that. Originally, I didn't start in the Purple Cow. I was the accounting manager, and i still not quite sure how I got convinced to do the Purple Cow, other than I had four kids, and they thought I bought a lot of stuff, so I should somehow manage a, a gift shop. So I started managing the Purple Cow, and when it started, it was seriously a, like a little cash box with quarter erasers and, you know, a few shirts that people would pick out and and to see how the, that's, I think that's my my claim to fame or what I would like to think with my highlight of working at World Dairy Expo. You know, granted there was a lot of accounting issues and things, but that's not as near as exciting to talk about. Originally, it started. You know, it was it was a group of volunteers and and maybe one part-time staff member. It was back when they had the craft forum, and there was more of a women's program. And and so they they not only you know set up the the craft forum and the women's programs. Part of that in, included the Purple Cow gift shop. So it was all volunteers that kind of set up that that booth or that thing and, and when I first started the, some lady and again I'm sorry I don't remember the names uh, the, the purple cow inventory was stored in her garage and, and so and as an accounting manager I kind of like cringed upon that a little bit and we kind of got rid of all the old inventory and started new and and it developed over the years, and, and as the craft forum and the women's program went away, so did the, the not that we, st we still, the Purple Cow is run by volunteers with the exception of me. We still have lots of volunteers, but the volunteers don't actually do the buying or set up the gift shop. That, that kind of is what I do the rest of the year. But we have anywhere from, I think it's 50, 60 volunteers that help in the Purple Cow. Um, and some of those women have been there as long as me, if not longer. Um, so it's fun to you know, only see them once a year. It's fun to reacquaint with them and find out what's going on in their life. At first Expo, you know, again, it was a totally different animal. I mean, I think I even had a day off. I, I didn't work all five days, and it used to be, what, Wednesday through Sunday, I believe. Um, you know, I was working part-time then, and it was just... I, I, to watch this thing grow, it's just uh, amazing. And you know, and, and another thing I remember my first <laughs> one of my first memories of Expo and being the accounting manager is that the first audit we had. And I and I met with the auditors, and you know, you kind of go over line item by line item, and and one line item that I'm sure these auditors have never seen, and I still laugh at to this day, it's like. 
manure removal. You know, it's like, that's, a, that's you know, how many audits they do a year. I'm sure that nobody else has a line item called manure removal and try to explain that to an auditor. So there have been some fun things. Well, hi, I'm Tom Morse, and I guess I've been part of Expo since at least its beginning, if not before. Yeah, I grew up just a stone's throw away from Paps Farms. That was a dominant force in the show ring in the 50s and 60s and early 70s. My dad and uncle used to send a cow or two or a heifer along in a boxcar with Paps, and we showed at Waterloo for years in the Chicago International, and I've got a red ribbon back here behind me that is first at the Royal Winter Fair in 1954 as a two-year-old. So we kind of jumped right on board uh, when it came to World Dairy Expo because we were well aware that the stories coming out of Waterloo and, you know, the stuff that we hear about the Chicago International Livestock Show was about done. You know, being involved that early dad and uncle put good heifers in the first two donation sales. I can remember the day that uh, Alan Hatz happened to come to the farm to look for the heifers and we showed him the heifers in the pen and I'm standing back and so dad and uncle got a nice heifer picked out and he says, no, we're going to take that one. They looked at each other and said, well, I guess that's what we're going to put in. Let's say my wife, Sandy, <laughs> uh, grew up at Meyer Farms, which was an extremely successful home red herd and they had been premier breeder and exhibitor at Waterloo. After the Meyer Farm sale, Sandy's family uh, started their own herd, uh, the Meyer Heim herd, and uh, they had bred the reserve All-American three best females. And her folks and I showed at Madison with a string of cows through the 70s and 80s. Sandy, uh, of course, is well-known at Expo and been there since 1973, except for two or three years when our kids were born. Uh, she's traveled coast to coast with our organization, uh, managing and collecting the money at sales for over 40 years. So uh, if you've ever walked in a leadoff barn, I'm sure uh, you've seen Sandy. And she, of course, keeps the cattle connection going also, which leaves me with not much to do. Uh, some of the early stories at Madison that I can remember being a college kid uh, were leading the cattle across the John Nolan Drive, where the Sheridan is right now, right behind them, if you've been there, there's railroad tracks. And that's where they brought in the boxcar cattle from the West Coast in California. I can remember leading the Ruan cattle, Steve and Pat's dad, uh, Doug had a full string there in the early years across to the expo grounds. Uh, there's all kinds of stories. I think the second year we took Alan Hetz's little horse trail and went two and a half hours up the road in the north and cut down about six or eight trees, Christmas trees, brought them in, wired them up so Danny Weaver, the photographer, could have a background for his cattle pictures. Uh, you know, there's numerous stories uh, like that that we could go into, but uh, we, you know, I showed in the arena building in 1968, 1969, the first year we were in the Coliseum, I was uh, fortunate enough to win the three-year-old class and win the Faye Barney Award as best bred known at the show, and she went on to be All-American. I'll tell you what, it's a big thrill for a college boy, and it sticks with you the rest of your life, and, you know, when he hit it 
there, it's hard to get away from this industry. And it's quite a thrill. So, you know, after that, we've showed cattle there for, I don't know how many years, 20, 25, maybe more. <laughs> well, you know, if you include partnership cattle, and we haven't had string there since the early days. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs and thrills. And it's, when we think about it, it's amazing what it turned out to be. I'm going to tell you a quick story. A friend of mine, Dr. Bennett from Georgia, a uh, very successful veterinarian that had a little herd of show cattle and he showed throughout the Southeast. He told me one day he was over 70 years old. And he said, Tom, I cried when I stepped on the colored shavings for the first time in my life. And it's one of those stories that kind of sticks with you, how, uh, how great of an experience that is. You know, I think of Lowell Lindsay and his Ontario people that uh, with their state herd, we used to have a lead out state herd and you'd have your, complete state herd and the ring would be full of them be the greatest thing in the world i wish we still had it because it was kind of the end of the show and it was competitive and well all of a sudden and we never seen them the ontario people come out and lowell lindsey's in charge and pete heffering's there they all got red shirts on all of them so we're going oh boy now what is this you know they won the state herd i bet 10 years in a row with the red shirts and that was the first year we got tipped, you know, and, and they kept them hid. They weren't, I think they dressed in that lower dressing room down there uh, in the back. There's a room where we locked the catalogs in all week. They were in there dressing them. So nobody had seen the, the red shirts. For many years, we've been involved in pretty much all areas uh, of the show been commercial exhibitor for 25 some years and showed cattle with our partnerships for probably 25 years uh you know in the world classic i guess this year well next year 2021 we'll mark our 37 32nd world classic uh when the executive board came to us and asked us to take over the friday night sale uh you know, that was, I guess, Dr. Walton and Gene Meyer and Gene uh, uh, Nelson also, along with Howard Bagley. We had promised them that we would try our best to put on one of the highest sales of the year. And I think we kind of stuck with it over 30 years. Uh, some of the highlights, we sold the first clone, brought eighty two or $84,000 years ago. It's developed by Infogen uh, from a cow that we owned with Carousel Farm and DePasque family in Ontario. Uh, and it generated a lot of questions, a lot of press. It made uh, uh, national news several nights uh, of what was going on. It was real early in the cloning process. We also imported two calves from Germany to sell and they were in quarantine off the East Coast all summer. They were the only calves in there imported from Europe in the United States since I think 1919 when the foot and mouth closed the borders, uh, which was uh, kind of exciting, I guess. Uh, generated a lot of press again, and that's good for Expo also. One year we had consignments from five European sales, or, or herds, I should say. Uh, and interesting enough, over 20% of the cattle or consignments that went through that sale over the 30 some plus years have been purchased by foreign uh, buyers, which 
truly makes it the international marketplace, if you will. Uh, we've always opened the sale with some sort of a razzle-dazzle opening that we learned from the horse people and the Angus people. And you asked me which our favorite one was. I think it was in the year 9-11, when the whole world was tipped upside down a month before Expo. We opened the sale with a beautiful tribute that was written by the University of Wisconsin. Lisa Banky put it on from up above. And then we presented the sales force in limousines and had press down there introducing them on the red carpet. It was the year that the theme was Hollywood. And I think it was really, really successful. If you asked me a week before uh, the sale, I told the girls we can't do that. But it it really worked well because it took the emotion out of 911 into having a good time that night. It was a very, very successful sale. Uh, when you look back at the founders of World Dairy Expo, which is, of course, Alan Hudson, Gene Nelson from Crescent, from Grayview Farms, Norm Magnuson and Norbeck, and, of course, my good friend, Howard Bagley, from down at New Glarus, along with Dr. Jim Crowley Sr., who represented the university and did so much for Expo over the first 30 years of growth. Uh, those men were not only close friends, but certainly mentors of uh, of us, I guess. And that's one of the main reasons we chose this career and stayed in it. In the 50th anniversary, you had the beautiful banners going down through the pavilions. I remember walking down, looking at them, and, you know, they were the best of the best in their times. And I'm not sure I can really pick a favorite one. It would be from Gene Hakers, Felicia, Mary Fury, one of the early champions. Of course, Charity won here three, four times. Tony Beauty won when she was 14 years old for our friends at Stanhope, which would, and you add in Veronica, the great Jersey from Arethusa, now Delilah, the Browns with from our good friend Peter Vale and Kenny Main. Uh, and the list would go on and on. The Paradise Cow, Mark Reith. Mark grew up and got into the register business when he was a student at University of River Falls. He started working for our organization. So my mom always called him her first son, fourth son. But, uh, you know, all that emotion kind of plays into it. You know, and every year, the first week of October for, I guess, way over half of my lifetime, that's been when we're at Madison. And it was quite a void this year. But I'll tell you what, 2021, I certainly hope the dairymen from around the world will gather at World Dairy Expo for another edition. Thank you all for joining us this week for The Dairy Show. Remember to like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are streaming it from. And don't forget to tell your friends about The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us. And last but not least, if you have any speaker suggestions or thoughts about the show, feel free to let us know and contact us. Our email address is wde at wdexpo.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.